This episode is sponsored by Postalytics. If you're doing any type of marketing for your startup today, you're probably missing out on one of the most underrated marketing channels there is to grow your business, direct mail marketing. Finding ways to stand out and get attention for your prospects has never been harder. Business people receive over 120 emails per day. The average Gmail account contains over 8,000 messages. With Postalytics, start standing out by delivering personalized messages directly into the hands of your audience to form a deeper impression than email alone. The best part is you can integrate with your CRM to track, trace, and measure the impact of every dollar you spend. So whether you're an agency or startup founder and looking to build out your next direct mail marketing campaign, visit postalytics.com for a free account and start sending direct mail today. If you'd like to sponsor the SaaS District podcast or recommend any guests that you think would be valuable to be on the show, visit horizoncapital.com slash SaaS podcast today. Thanks again, folks. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akhil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about building an innovative SaaS company and being a leader in the energy industry. Today, we have our guest, Shiva Rajagopalan, joining us. Shiva is the CEO of Seven Lake Technologies, an innovative digital landscape for the oil and gas production. With over 20 years of experience in creating software solutions, he is recognized as an industry thought leader, an innovator, and a humanist. Shiva's passion lies with creating tools that helps people first and foremost. For him, it's not just business. It's not. It's all about improving people's work and life balance. So welcome, Shiva. Super excited to have you on SaaS District Show today. Thanks, Akil. Uh, so for those who don't know, can you just get, you know, just tell us a little bit, you know, what's your background? What's your past ventures? I know you worked at Chevron for a bit uh, up until you guys raised, raised a venture round and launched your, your platform back in 2009. Is that correct? Uh, well, yeah, we launched our, uh, a platform in 2016, uh, but the company uh, was started in 2009. Uh, we started out more as a consulting business, uh, but then 2016 is when we actually uh, came out with our uh, product called Join. Uh, and 2015 is when we raised our Series A uh, for around $20 million. Nice. And what was kind of that transition? So you were working just like me. So maybe if people don't listen, knowing, listening in, I was also a petroleum engineer before I got into tech, uh, you know, worked in the oil and gas space in Alberta. I know how that industry works, work as operations and, and you know, refinery and then also in the, in the uh, uh, kind of the office with the, the headquarters. Um, how did you make that transition? What were you doing at Chevron and how did you get into to that kind of your own, your own kind of consultancy? Yeah, it's it's actually such a coincidence because uh, we just signed up uh, a client in Alberta, uh, an operator called Tyne Energy. So uh, pretty excited to work with them. Uh, but yeah, the way that I got into this uh, business was uh, because of Chevron experience. Um, you know, I, I was actually fortunate to be spending time in the field uh, with uh, operations. And uh, I myself was uh, a data junkie uh, working out of a trailer uh, inside the field. Uh, so it was just fascinating watching uh, ops guys do their deal and me providing necessary data for them to be able to run their business. Uh, so that's how I got really passionate about this business. And um, in 2009, I decided, uh, I basically thought if I could do this for Chevron, maybe I could do it for a larger uh, audience. And um, that's when I started Seven Lakes. 
Super cool. Yeah, I remember working in the in the fields as well. I used to work with I think Conical Phillips, you know, driving around my truck in the little towns and checking all the fields. So yeah, yeah, good times back then. <laughs> um, and where are you guys in terms of size today? You know, team size, user growth, MRR, and uh, have you guys raised any capital beyond that? I think you said twenty million dollars in Series A to twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we have not raised a Series uh, B or an X round yet. Uh, we are. Uh, planning to do that in the uh, uh, upcoming future. Uh, as far as size is concerned, uh, you know we've got um, very large customers now uh, are using Join. Uh, includes companies like Exxon Mobil, um, Conoco Phillips, uh, the one that you mentioned, and uh, uh, Pioneer Natural Resources, and so on. So we've got very large companies using the platform now, uh, thousands and thousands of users. Um, and uh, 100 people company. Um, uh, we've been staying steady there um, over the last couple of years. Uh, but uh, oil and gas is uh, uh, picking up steam again uh, in 2021. Uh, the price of oil has gone up to 72 bucks a barrel now, WTI prices. So uh, we feel um, like uh, the companies or the operators are going to open up their wallet and start spending. So it's just a matter of time. We'll, we'll also pick up the steam there. But um, yeah, that's where we are uh, as for size and growth is cool. concerned. Yeah. So what was the kind of that? So you said you were working in the field, you, you were, you know, a data junkie or, work, you know, you kind of saw things happening, you know, live. What was the clear opportunity that you saw in the market though and the problem? Maybe uh, like after the, you were consulting, right? You went into consulting, you knew that there need to be the solved for these operators in the oil and gas field from you know, the idea, idea generation to you know, launching join. And at the time, did you have a tech background or are you, do you have like a CTO partner at the time? How, how did you kind of make that transition to SaaS? Yeah, so I was uh, the techie. Um, uh, so I, I was actually a techie, but I was you know, passionate about what technology I was delivering to uh, uh, the end users. Uh, so that's where I kind of, you know, was fortunate to marry best of both worlds. Uh, so at, while at Chevron, my end users were uh, people in the field. Uh, and so I'm, I'm to this day, even today, I'm very passionate about the people that are actually in the field doing all the heavy lifting. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, that's where our most of the user bases bases. Um, that's where we plan to grow uh, into other verticals as well. Okay, um, you know, and just thinking like selling a SaaS solution, it's it's a new market, right? Like, I know myself, even like the energy companies and oil enter like oil and gas enterprise, like that there has to be a huge challenge there because. I think they're probably the slowest industry to adapt changes in new technologies. Like you can look at every, you know, I, I don't know, maybe you, you know better, but there could be other industries that are slower. But how are you and your team kind of able to onboard those customers and convince the market that they needed your you know, unique SaaS solution and adopt technology? Yeah, uh, good question, Akhil. Um, not an easy job, job uh, for sure. Uh, but, you know, um, I'll, I'll say oil and gas, <clears throat> as you know, is a very cyclical market. Right. Uh, when things are booming, uh, it, it is very easy uh, to actually convince people that they need technology to uh, sustain that boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, uh, things go bad, uh, you know, they go into an ostrich mode. Uh, right. They, they uh, don't want to talk to vendors. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just a beast of this uh, uh, industry. That's just how it works. And uh, I've been doing this for long enough to know that uh, you have to adapt and you know change accordingly. 
Um, overall, though, uh, yes, they are laggers, uh, but uh, the opportunity is still there uh, because the technology is so old, right? So that's the opportunity uh, to do something there and, and bring it up to where other industries are. And, and how do you kind of make that conviction or, you know, so, you know, there's like an old boys club kind of thinking where the guys are a lot older, they don't want to change, they're kind of resistant to change. What's kind of your process of, you know, getting through to them or, or breaking kind of that, that mentality, even when things are good or bad, right? You still, they still a solution. There's still, you know, ways to optimize. You're still saving them money and time. Um, what, what's your process there? Yeah, the process there is fairly simple and straightforward. Uh, which you know, other uh, SaaS companies also do, other uh, industries also do. Uh, what we do, you know, our software is actually uh, mobile first, field user first, right? It's field centric. So we say, hey guys, you know, don't have to worry about uh, a long project here. Just give us a couple of weeks uh, to show how this is going to improve the lives of your operators in the field, right? Okay. Uh, they they take a leap of faith. Uh, uh, and give us a couple of weeks to work with the, the field users. And uh, once that two weeks has elapsed, typically the feedback from the field up to the management has been always, you know, extraordinary. Uh, they mm. say that, look, you know, I, I, I'm able to go back home sooner. I can take my kids to the ball game. I don't have to open up my laptop uh, at the end of the day and start punching in numbers. You know, I'm, I'm done with my work. Um, so our fans are the field users and that's kind of how we uh, nice. end up uh, yeah, getting opportunities. Uh, so they, they're the ones that are selling management. <laughs> that's smart. Um, do, do, is it just a, is that at that point, is it a proof of concept or is it like a free trial? It's like, hey, there's no charge. Let me just get out there. I'll show you guys for two weeks on my own cost and dime. And if it works, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, it's a free trial. Yeah, it's a free nice. try and buy. Yeah. Cool. Love it. Uh, and how do you guys handle like, you know, the data security side, right? So many energy companies, especially, you know, this market, you have like to adhere to so many international standards and different compliance rules. How, how are you guys managing that? Or, or are you guys only focused in, in the U.S.? Or, or I say Canada as well, right? Yeah, we have U.S., Canada, Argentina. Um, these are where the operations are. Um, mm -hmm. But overall, Akil, you know, we use um, AWS technology. Uh, AWS, um, everything that we use is on AWS and they have uh, services uh, that, uh, you know, and best practices around data security uh, yep. that we follow. Uh, so, for example, uh, you know, multi-tenancy, right? Right, uh, right. There's a clear architecture that they want uh, people like us to, uh, to, to leverage and use. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of what we do. And uh, we've uh, been, uh, you know, we've had no issues so far. Uh, around these kind of things, yeah. Okay. And then in terms of marketing, um, you know, in terms of marketing growth, you've obviously hit a, a decent, uh, you know, record of growth or kind of track record if you were able to raise your Series A and, you know, raise $20 million. What channels would you say have been, you know, the most successful for you guys so far when promoting your solution and onboarding more clients? Yeah, you know, uh, interestingly, it's always, uh, it's it's been so far digital marketing. Um, mm -hmm. Right, getting the word out, uh, uh, you know, uh, campaigns, um, email campaigns, uh, following up with uh, uh, inside sale calls, uh, and then uh, getting an interest from customers, and then uh, taking them through a free trial, and then eventually a buy. Right, so that's been the the, the channel so far. Uh, believe it or not, even Exxon uh, came in as an inbound request. Uh, we didn't have to go in and uh, 
um, knock on their doors. Um, mm-hmm. Even if we had to, we wouldn't know where to knock on, right? Because it's so big. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. So inbound, do you know kind of specifically where that work was? That search kind of SEO was that you know social media? Where, where were you guys? Were you guys running ad campaigns? Uh, SEO, uh, uh, you know, Google search. Um, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. We do do some AdWords, but uh, the standard stuff, yeah. Okay. Um, in terms of scale, how are you guys optimizing the funnel right now for, for searching for, for you know, channel product fit? Anything else you guys are doing right now? Yeah, you know, primarily uh, our go-to-market strategy has been, uh, you know, look, uh, this industry, um, uh, the, the current uh, technology providers have not innovated in the last 20, 25 years. Uh, mm. uh, so that's where uh, we're going in and saying, look, guys, you know, if you actually use the latest and greatest technology that is available out there, uh, like the ones that are available in AWS, et cetera, you can save your operations significant cost, right? Uh, time, money, efficiency, gains, et cetera. Uh, so that's been our strategy. Uh, and, uh, you know, we go after, uh, companies that are using these legacy techs. Got it. And then have you seen, have you guys tested, you know, different marketing channels that you would say hasn't worked specifically for your ideal climate, uh, you know, ICP or ideal uh, customer profile? Um, you know, of course, uh, the, the, we, we segment our market into, you know, three uh, company types, uh, the large guys, and then you have uh, the mid-sized guys, and then you have the small guys. And the large has super majors too, and then you have the mid-majors, and then you know, then you have the mid-market segment, and then you have the small guys. So the large uh, super uh, majors are companies like Exxon and Conoco's of the world, right? Um, so there is a different strategy to attack different segments of the market. Uh, you know, it, 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 so we use uh, account-based marketing to target the big guys, you know, the top 25, top 30 accounts. And then we use a more uh, traditional, you know, SaaS technique of digital marketing to go after uh, the other uh, guys. So uh, typically Mm -hmm. the the big guys, when one of them sign up, uh, then, you know, they're involved in some sort of a consortium. They they talk uh, amongst themselves uh, and that's how the word gets out. Um, They sometimes contact us. Uh, they're active in some other um, channels, uh, for example, Darcy Partners, uh, and then they find out about us and then they reach out to us. So that's kind of how it's been always working. And has there anything, have you found, have you tried, you know, some different experimentation that you say didn't work? Like, I don't know, trade shows, is there any marketing channels you've tried and just like, oh, yeah. failed miserably? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> always, right? They're, they're, you know, we, we do our own um, uh, event in Vegas every year. Um, uh, last year, uh, was a wash because of COVID, but, uh, this year we're going to restart it again. Uh, mm-hmm. but that's worked for us, but typical, you know, trade shows really don't because what happens is in, in, you know, uh, from a, uh, uh, co- company perspective, they're sending people, uh, that are fairly junior, uh, yeah. Yeah. to these trade shows. Right? That's true. I remember and that. So, they said me, yeah. Yeah. So, so the decision access to the decision makers are not there uh, right. at the trade shows, and so, so yeah, it, it's a lot of money waste, wasted if you if you um, actually spend and spend the money to go to all these trade shows. Yeah. Mm. 
That's, that's a good point because I remember that. I remember I always wondered why they'd send all the, you know, the young guys to go to the trade shows and have fun. But, you know, they would never go. I think they just get tired of it. Like they know it's a sales pitch and they don't want to they don't want to get pitched. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then the funny thing is uh, when the young guys go back with an idea, they say, well, you don't know anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We get all excited. We're like, hey, look what I learned. They're like, no, no, no. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> cool. Um, what's what's the level of kind of you know get deeper into the product the customize customization for your solution? I mean, it's an infrastructure. You have the software integration, but it also seems to be like you have to create specifics for each company's requirements, or is it pretty kind of standard? Uh, we don't really um, necessarily create anything for um, uh, you know one specific customer. Uh, yeah. That's more uh, the consulting world uh, that we were involved before uh, 2015. Uh, so even if there are requirements that are only one, specific to one customer, uh, depending on uh, their level of interest in that particular feature, uh, we would build that in and then turn a flag for just that particular tenant, right? Uh, but that's how it's always been uh, working. Uh, but uh, typically, we do product development that actually fits a uh, majority of our, of our customer base. And that's how the prioritization happens. Got it. And, and when it comes to pricing, what's kind of your, how do you guys customize your pricing factor? Is it based on number of users that use it or do you have another kind of model to, to build that out? Yeah, um, uh, actually uh, another kind of model. Uh, we, we started out with the uh, user base, uh, but uh, because this industry uh, is uh, volatile, right? Uh, we went into number of wells plus a combination of number of wells plus uh, barrels of oil equivalent production. Uh, per day. So why we did that is because in 2020, when oil went down uh, to negative territory, uh, they took production off, right? So they, they did not uh, sell it anymore because they had to literally pay somebody to take the oil out of the, mm. uh, out of their tanks. Right. So why, you know, so we want to give them credit. So if they're not really using the system, why are they paying? Right. You know, so that's why it's a combination of the well count um, plus the BOEPD, which is barrels of oil equivalent per day. Love it. So you went to actually the usage model, uh, I guess, similar to like AWS, right? Because and I think that's kind of the way to go, right? Not per user, because yeah, now you have right. 10 people using it, you know, price of oil is going down, we're producing less. Why? And then now their mind is, why am I paying this for 10 people when we, you know, it's not tied to the actual, you know, uh, profits we're generating. So we're in this case, you can, you can, yeah. you can justify it as an OPEX because uh, you can tie it to, okay, this is a percentage of, of my overall kind of cost. So uh, smart. Yeah, exactly. And just to kind of add to that, uh, you know, uh, oil and gas accounting revolves around the well. So, uh, everything gets tied back to the well, right? Uh, and and uh, so that's why it's easier for them to, uh, you know, tell their non-op partners, hey, look, for this particular well, we're spending, you know, this kind of money per month to yeah. keep it working, right? Which includes the software licensing costs also. So, yeah. Mm, smart. So, it, I mean, that's how deep you have to go, right? People think like this is the pricing. Like you have to go and like, mm -hmm. what are the, how oh, are the yeah. accountants looking at it, right? What's the accounting department factoring this in? And that's how you should price it. Smart. Um, so, I mean, obviously you're a leader in this space, right? We've seen most of these founders we've had in the past are measuring their success in terms of customer experience, maybe MRR, growth results. What would you say is the basis, you know, for you as a SaaS leader? What does make that, what makes that SaaS leader DNA? 
Yeah, we had a customer advisory uh, meeting last month, uh, wherein one of our customers um, started talking about our customer experience, um, their customer experience, and mm-hmm. um, and you know it's, it was funny. Uh, everybody started chiming in about the same thing, and so that is the number one uh, differentiator as far as they're concerned. Because you know, mm. for them, they're shrinking right you know because of the market and you know they're laying off people and you know they don't have a lack they don't have the number of resources that they once had right to keep systems up and running and the data quality good and all that kind of stuff right so they rely quite a bit on the vendors now right and according to them we are the best vendors that they work with right that Mm. allow for them to uh, do all of that without having to hire additional people um, so yeah, so, um, customer experience has always been a forefront, uh, and it's actually paying off. Uh, we're getting good references and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm, I imagine that helps with your retention and, and kind of how long they stay bored, regardless of, you know, the industry. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So do you have any tips for maybe other founders who are, who maybe who are in this market, maybe they're in the SaaS and they want to tackle this market, right? They have, an oil, uh, uh, they haven't tackled oil and gas. Uh, but they have a, maybe a new product or solution and they want to convince like, you know, the old boys, you know, you, you mentioned one way going through, you know, the people who report to and who are going to, you know, be their sales champions. Uh, any other way you can kind of give any tips or any suggestions? Um, you know, uh, my my uh, ultimate suggestion would be make sure uh, you're passionate about what you're building and you're passionate about the persona that you're building the product for. So if that particular persona uh, enjoys uh, the product, mm. uh, you will invariably get a chance uh, to to sell, right? Mm. So that that will be my recommendation. Uh, there, you know, don't go after the execs because um, uh, you know for them the proof is in the pudding. Uh, they're not going to you know do you a favor, especially in this kind of market, right? Uh, so always look to improve efficiency somehow, somewhere. And that's your way in. Love it. If, if you were starting a new solution today, Shiva, uh, let's say for the oil and gas industry, right? You're starting all over. What are some opportunities that you see and you would maybe tackle and you see a big opportunity in right now? You know, maybe different than when you started, uh, you know, over 10 years ago. In oil and gas? Yeah. In oil and gas, uh, it, it, you know, uh, obviously, uh, if you look at the market today, you know, with the new Biden administration, mm. uh, you know, bank loans, finances, capital has dried up, right? So pretty much, if you look at uh, drilling, uh, uh, you know, back in the day, it was drill, baby, drill, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now it's more like this, you know, I have to have enough cash flow generated as an operator to be financing my own drilling program, right? Does that make sense? So it's more about maintaining their production levels is what they're after. And therefore, you know, uh, anything to do with pr- production optimization, uh, efficiency gains uh, around operations is what they're looking to do. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so if, if you are in the, in the, uh, interested in getting into the space, that is the right space to be in. Got it. So it's not in the going after the big CapEx budgets, the billion dollars. Those are not, those are not being spent anymore. Now it's really about, right. okay, how do we optimize our cash flow, what we have, and, uh, you know, grow with what we have. Yeah, makes sense. 
Exactly. Yeah. I think I would say, imagine like a lot of data, you know, like you said, you're a data, per, you know, a guy. Um, I imagine there's kind of opportunities there, right? Like, especially, I know, you know, AI and a lot of these technologies being built. Um, yeah. are, are you guys building anything like that with them? And do you see anything, you know, going that route with, with the companies you work yeah. with? Yeah. 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 We do have a couple of uh, AI uh, pieces in our software. Uh, one is to allow for the operators to um, seamlessly enter their data. So they can actually take a picture of something and the data will flow in. They don't even have to type it in, right? So it actually it saves them some time. Uh, the other one, so that's called computer vision technology, right? Which is AI. The other one is more uh, route optimization. So, you know, uh, the operators in the field uh, have a optimized route, which allows them to go after the assets that are the highest value for the company, right? So, you know, it's called route optimized, uh, route optimization. Uh, and that also uses, you know, AI techniques, uh, for us to be able to optimize them. But all of that optimization happens by a lot of data variables, not just uh, production of the well, but there's lots and lots of data variables that we uh, take into account. So like, like, skill what, set. like weather, <laughs> temperature? <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, weather, temperature, you know, your skill set, experience of the, you know, person, wow. uh, where they are from the location, proximity wise, you know, because mm -hmm. drive time matters, right? So if there's another uh, operator that is closer by that is similar skilled and experience, et cetera, we want to, get them to the location faster. So uh, yeah, lots and lots of variables. Uh, you wouldn't believe, uh, mm. you know, in some areas, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, there are ranches, you know, where uh, uh, oil fields are, right? In, mm. in South Texas, for example. So you have to enter through one gate and exit to another gate. These are all constraints right. that we have to use uh, in, in order to uh, optimize their routes. Right. And you would never know that unless you're in the field, you know, at live location. You can't do this from a computer, you know, outside in the, in the middle of nowhere, right? So this is where, you know, being with your customers really matters, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you got you to be with them. I mean, you know, uh, uh, fortunately, we've had a chance to go to a lot of these different places and see it firsthand uh, mm -hmm. and see their pain firsthand, right? Mm, exactly. So that's how, that's how we uh, sympathize with them uh, even more. Nice. So Shiva, I want, I want to talk about your, how you kind of, your management structure, right? You have over a hundred team members. You've been, you know, for a while managing a, man, you know, pretty significant team. Do you have a kind of recurrence cadence with your team interactions, coaching, you know, strategy feedback? And do you have a, maybe a framework you could share on how you make harder decisions while maintaining still, you know, motivation and consistency across the team? Yeah. You know, every year uh, we, um, have some goals, right, that we uh, put together. Um, and uh, at the beginning of the year, those goals are uh, distributed to my uh, direct management, right? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so I have about seven direct reports, right? And mm -hmm. then they uh, take those goals, uh, you know, for example, engineering has its own goals, uh, uh, product has its own goals, etc., right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then they actually take it to their team, and then actually they meet amongst the, their peers also uh, to enable those goals to uh, get done. 
so that's kind of how uh, things uh, have been working so far. Uh, but then we also have, uh, you know, weekly cadence uh, meetings uh, to go over um, how we're doing um, uh, around those goals, right? And around those metrics that we've created at the beginning of the year. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty straightforward, nothing too fancy, uh, lots of one-on-ones, uh, lots of, uh, um, you know, uh, peer conversations. Uh, unfortunately, these days, lots of Zoom calls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, prior to that, we were in the office. But uh, yeah, we're looking back. We're looking forward to going back into the office. We started slowly trickling in. Yeah, yeah. yeah I imagine a lot of people are starting to miss it. Yeah, we've always been, you know, a couple of days a week, even before and after. So, yeah, I think that's the way to go. Um, so seven people, you manage them, uh, and then they kind of work with their own team as as kind of managers. Um, do you have any? Suggestions maybe on how to hire, you know, those, those kind of higher level management. So I know, you know, sometimes it's easier where there is a lot more than just the experience that goes into that kind of factor. What do you look for and how, how are you typically finding those? Is that more so internally? Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, that's a great question. It depends on the size of your company, right? So, you know, uh, really, you know, if you, if you are at a specific uh, um, ARR number, um, you may not need to go after an executive search agency mm-hmm. and then uh, like a, you know, Hydric, uh, you know, and then have them hire a top end person. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you are at a 10 ARR and then try to get to the next level, which is the 25 ARR, uh, you may want to actually spend that kind of money. Uh, right. Cause you want the person to, you know, uh, that has experience in doing so. So it really depends on, on where you are as a company, um, uh, on, on how you want to create uh, do that search. Uh, so initially, of course, uh, I grew the company, uh, by hiring on my own. Right. But now we're actually using, uh, leveraging some of these, uh, more advanced, uh, search agencies, uh, mm-hmm. to do the exec level hiring for us. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Make, makes sense. Um, yeah, once you, once you're bigger, the money helps. And I guess you can, you can, you know, makes that decision a lot easier. You, you mentioned in the past, you're making SAS more human. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what, what exactly does that mean to you? And wh- why is that important? And why should other maybe founders think about that as well? Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, for me, SAS is just a way to run the business, but unless I'm able to, uh, help uh, my end user personas, you know, in this case, the field personnel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not doing anything. So, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not making a positive impact, right? So for me, that is the key and that is the human side of it. Like, for example, uh, you know, this is my favorite story. I keep saying this over and over again, but I, I, I was driving, driving around with one of the operators using our software and uh, he was telling me, look, you know, I don't have to open up my laptop at the end of the day and sit there in front of the TV doing my work, okay, Mm. Uh, anymore. I can take my kid who loves baseball to baseball games, right? Because I'm done at five. I I I get to go back home, right? Uh, My wife is not mad at me anymore, right? (laughs) So, you know, I'm actually, you know, very proud to be making such a positive impact in someone's life. Right. right. Uh, and, and that is the human side of it. And uh, we'll continue to do so. You know, that's that. That's where our passions are. Love it. So it's not just about the money and how you're kind of optimizing your returns. It's like, OK, this is the real impact we're seeing. And, you know, how the how the how it actually affects the human on their actually day to day basis. Yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, Shiba, lo- love these kind of questions. Uh, I want to switch gears to more kind of the, the personal and more rapid fire questions, but obviously take as, as much time as you need. Um, starting with what's one piece of advice you wish you had known and would tell your 25 year old self? Oh boy. Uh, you know, I, I wish I had a better mentor at that stage. Right. Uh, you know, uh, I, I used to work, uh, for someone who, uh, was an entrepreneur, but, uh, was building stuff at a smaller scale. But if I had known, if, if I had a, you know, mentor that, uh, I was working for that was, uh, building things at a larger scale, you know, uh, that would have definitely helped me. Uh, cause that's the learning that I had to do, uh, in the last 10 years on my own. Got it. So it's, it's not just finding somebody who's also maybe side by side and wanting to do something similar at the stage you're at, maybe finding somebody who's, you know, three, four, five, uh, you know, steps ahead of you. So, you know, you know, right ahead that little kind of cut the learning curve and help you learn a lot quicker. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, it was always the mentor. Yeah. Yeah. What are the biggest challenges you're currently facing in order to continue to grow your, your platform? I mean, what, what's, what's keeping you up at night these days other than oil and gas prices? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, I would say, uh, we're, we're definitely very interested in finding adjacent market places, uh, okay. you know, adjacent industries. Um, so identifying which one to go after, uh, next is, is what's keeping uh, uh, me up at night, but, uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll be able to do, do so. It's just a matter of time. Uh, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's, that's the one thing. Nice. Who or what uh, are three best resources? They can be books, it can be people uh, like mentors or people you follow in the space who, who you'd say have been the most instrumental to your success over these last few years. You know, uh, uh, I, I watch a lot of Simon Sinek. <laughs> nice. So that, that's, that's definitely helped me. Um, he's been inspiring, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, I do have a great uh, board member uh, he's, uh, uh, ex CEO of SAP, um, uh, Klaus Bessier. Uh, he's been a great mentor to me. Um, so yeah, these have been a couple of, uh, uh, things that I've been, you know, doing over the last few years. A- any favorite books from Simon or, uh, you know, I actually was, uh, fortunate to meet, uh, the, uh, uh, Bill McDermott who actually ran SAP for a long time. Uh, he's no longer the uh, CEO of SAP. Uh, so I've read his book and that's, uh, that was, uh, pretty inspirational too. Uh, cool. but, uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, Shiva, you know, you've obviously had some, some quite a bit of success here over these last few years, but what does success mean to you today? Whether that's personally, financially, business life, there's no right, no right mm-hmm. answer. Yeah. For me, uh, if I'm actually able to, uh, uh, increase the way that I'm uh, affecting the day in the life of a operator in the field. It doesn't have to be oil and gas. It could be anywhere else, but, you know, positively, right. If I'm able to save them an hour or two, two and a half, three hours, four, you know, that would be pretty darn exciting. Cause you know, to me, if I'm actually able to save them four hours in a day, that means I've done something so good, right. Uh, for, you know, whoever I'm actually doing this for, right? So that, that's, that's the future. Uh, that's where I'm actually headed towards, right? Um, you know, I, I, I do want to end up, 
uh, having made uh, such a large transformation in the day in the life of a field operator. Um, when I'm done with this, I want to look back and you know see that wow, I did that right. So that mm-hmm. that that would be inspirational. Yeah, that's your that's your definition of success. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. This this has been great, Shiva. I really appreciate you jumping on SAS District Show. Um, where can our, our founders get in touch with you to learn more about you or, or Seven Lake Technologies? Yeah, email uh, Shiva at sevenlakes.com. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, pretty active there. Uh, so look me up. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for joining. I appreciate you jumping on here today. It was great. Thank you, Akil. Awesome <laughs> right, talking to you. Yeah. you Take too. care. Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Horizon Capital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.